platform. Um, let's take a moment of silence uh, for silent prayer or meditation. Uh, thank you. Uh, honorable members, we proceed. Before we proceed, I would like to remind you that the virtual mini plenary is de deemed to be in the precinct of parliament and constitute a meeting of the National Assembly uh, for debating purposes only. In addition to the rules of virtual sittings, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of debate, apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. Members should equally note that anything said in the virtual platform is deemed to have been said to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the mics are often very sensitive and will pick up noise that might disturb the, uh, uh, the others. <clears throat> so when recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom or the top of their screens, which has an option that allows the member to put up his or her hands to raise points of order. The Secretariat will assist in alerting the presiding officer to members requesting to speak. Uh, members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections on this platform. Um, we shall now proceed to the order, which is the debate on vote number 31, employment and labor appropriation bill. I now recognize the Honorable Minister uh, Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker and members of this House and Cabinet Ministers and Deputy Ministers President, particularly the Deputy Minister of Employment and Labor, the Honorable Chair and members of the Portfolio Committee, the DG and Senior Management of the department and its entities. Invited guests, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I want to begin, Honorable Deputy Speaker, by flagging a South African achievement, the successful fifth global conference for the elimination of child labor held in Devon last week, a success in the face of adversity. It is only weeks after the devastating floods in KZN. We deliberated hard on whether we should even continue with the event. But no, we concluded that what the province needed now was to restore its economy and bringing 3,000 conference delegates to the province would contribute to the tourism and hospitality sector with thousands more viewing on the virtual platform and able to see what South Africa can offer. And of course, it was important that we continue to provide this important platform to bring together social partners and civil society from all over the world to engage and share information and best practice for the purpose 
of eliminating child labor by 2025 in line with the sustainable goals set by the United Nations. So our thanks to the team at the Department of Employment and Labor, the officials of the International Labor Organization and the support from across government, from the presidency to the national departments, to the premier of the province, to the municipality and all participating stakeholders. This is another reminder that when we practice joined up government, good things happen. To the budget vote, strategically, the department seeks to leverage its existing programs to intensify its employment mandate, whilst continuing to play a regulatory role in the labor market to promote safe and decent work and provide social protection to the workers. The approach underpins our efforts to reconfigure the department to, to strengthen the employment and mandate. These tasks are made all the more difficult by the unprecedented levels of unemployment, currently standing at 35.3%. The factors, the factors behind this are well known. The economy was already sluggish before the pandemic, reflecting structural weaknesses. The lockdown to curb the spread of the COVID-19 came at a heavy price, a 7% fall in economic activity and shedding up of up to 2 million jobs. And as the economic activity started to recover last year, we were hit by the July riots, further destroying jobs and livelihood. And again, most recently KZN faced devastating floods, which destroyed the lives, infrastructure and jobs. And internationally, trends have generally not assisted with the exception of the rise in the commodity prices. Under the current circumstances of high unemployment, the state has to intervene. Hence the number of interventions that we've made, including the presidential employment stimulus that has already benefited some 800,000 South Africans and the youth in particular. In the recent years, the department has received a favorable unqualified report from the office of the AG uh, AG South Africa in respect of the 2021-22 audit that is currently underway. It's envisaged that once again an unqualified audit opinion will be received. The same applies for the CCMA and Productivity South Africa. We also anticipate improved findings for the two funds. Plans are being implemented to fundamentally review the organizational architecture the systems and processes of the two funds. This will not happen, of course, overnight, and there are no shortcuts. Forensic auditors have been engaged to address the widespread fraud and corruption which occurred in the funds. The benefits in this case of the UIF, I mean, the benefits in the case of the UIF COVID-19 test program are already being felt with the return of nearly a billion rand in irregular and illegal payments. The audit action plans were implemented to address the areas identified by the office of the AG. The UIF has already moved from a disclaimer to a qualified audit, a small gain achieved in the first, I mean, in the face of massively increased claims for unemployment and relief benefits. We can agree that the key to improve performance 
is strengthening good governance, fighting fraud, and corruption. Let us remind ourselves that the pandemic is still with us, and we are now into the fifth wave. In 2020, we announced the addition of 500 occupational health and safety, um, that is OHS inspectors, and their work is yielding the results. In 1920, there were 28,000 OHS inspectors. In 2021, this jumped to 62,000 inspections conducted by a quarter, by quarter three, like the department's 126 labor centers, the OHS inspectors have a national footprint across every province. Last year, there were 36,000 compli compliant and 26,000 non-compliant employers. The most common forms of non-compliant relate to the general safety regulations, COVID-19 uh, directions, hazardous chemical substances, environmental regulations for workplaces, electrical installation regulations, and facilities regulations. To deal with these challenges, the branch has established a national roving team and developed the national mega blitz inspection plans to cover the backlog and the priority areas. In an effort to ramp up our inspections, the inspectors will visit 839,000 workplaces over the next five years. Enhancing social security for workers is one of our priorities. The compensation fund implemented the new claims management system and results include an improved or an improvement in the adjudication of claims. As at the 31st December 2021, a total of over 90,000 claims were received of which 79% were adjudicated within 30 working days of the project or of receipt. Now I want to strongly flag this, uh, Deputy Speaker. When the Compensation Fund seeks to strengthen an efficient online system to manage verified claim, that brings the fund into conflict with vested interest. The third-party middlemen and then the industry that grew up exactly because of the past inefficiencies of the fund. If the fund successfully reforms itself, the reason for their existence falls away. Perhaps that's why their supporters or their soap stewards in parliament are so vocal, because they want us to keep the middle person. The fund continues to ensure that medical service providers are paid. Of the 533,000 claims received as at the 31st of December 2021, 87% were finalized within 40 working days of receipt. Some 8,000 requests for pre-authorization of specialized medical interventions were received during this period, and 97% were finalized within 10 working days of receipt. So the fund paid a total of 3.3 billion towards the benefits of which 93% was paid within five working days. I believe that the members of the portfolio committee witnessed the smooth processing of claims for both the funds on their oversight visit to the Eastern Cape. When the commissioner tries to stamp out bad practice and it demands accurate and verified documents before paying out the claims, I believe 
He deserves your support. The Compensation Fund continues with the rehabilitation program, which includes provision of assistive devices. Persons with disabilities are enrolled in vocational rehabilitation programs through the post-school education and training institutions, and they are fully funded. Return to work programs also ensure that those who are injured in the workplace are reintegrated into the labor market. The Unemployment Insurance Fund, that is the UIF, played a significant role during the lockdown period in a drive to cushion workers and businesses. Over 64 billion has been spent by the UIF towards the COVID-19 tariff benefits, helping sustain economic activity across every province and community. In response to the July riots, TERS funded another program. Workers affected by the unrest, that is, we call it WABU, to date, over 4,000 employees were paid the relief at the expenditure of about 14 million rands. More WABU payments will be made upon completion of the due diligence process. In response to the jobs crisis, the UIF has created and saved jobs through investment with Industrial Development Cooperation, IDC, to the tune of 5 billion rand over five years. The IDC, the IDC through the UIF fund has currently approved 41 qualifying transactions totaling to 2.3 billion, of which 130 million rand was for the companies in distress and relating to job preservation. So the transactions support the SMMEs, black industrialists, women-owned companies, and startups. Through the UIF Labor Activation Program, which we call LEP, the department contributes to training of unemployed as part of the government initiative to stimulate the creation of jobs in the labor market. For the year 2022-23 financial year, the UIF's LEP has set aside a budget of 3.1 billion to fund the training of the unemployed, the normal tests, and the business turnaround and re-engineering. LEP programs facilitate the training of recruits and the creation and the sustaining of the jobs. Through the training of the unemployed program, the fund implements projects with implementing uh, partners with employment guarantees at the end of the term of the project. To this end, the Guazulu Department of Education, for instance, has already absorbed over 14,000 participants from one of the projects funded through the Labor Activation Program. The Temporary Employer-Employee Relief Scheme provides support to distressed companies that seek to retain their employees. Under the scheme, the UIF funds 75% of the employee basic salary up to the maximum amount of 17,000 per month for a maximum period of 12 months. So the business turnaround and the recovery program is funded by the Unemployment Insurance Fund to provide support to enterprises facing economic distress and initiatives aimed at preventing job losses. Of importance, Deputy Speaker, is that the Labor Activation Program has taken a strategic direction that training of the unemployed should be demand-led and lead to employment at the end of the training period. So the employers and the partners who participate in the program commit to ensuring that the learners will be absorbed. 
in the mid-term expenditure framework, the MTAF period, the lab has planned for 75,000 participants in the program that enhance their employability. The UIF will continue to pursue the government's drive to pay suppliers within 30 calendar days. As at the end of the quarter three of 2021-22, the fund has paid 98% of its received invoices within 30 days, within 30 calendar days. The fund will seek to achieve 100% in the 2022-23 financial year. To look at the policy and the legislation to promote equity and equality in the workplace, Parliament on the 29th November 2021 ratified the International Labour Organization Convention 190 concerning the elimination of violence and harassment in the workplace. In order to fulfill the international obligations that emanate from this, the department developed in consultation with the social partners, a code of good practice on the prevention and elimination of harassment in the workplace, released on 18 March 2022. These guidelines provide a comprehensive set of practical proposals, including step-by-step guidance on adoption of Convention 190 the necess- and the necessary supporting processes and structures to ensure enforcement. Over the last year, the department has extended 26 collective agreements to non-parties. This is critical in fighting persistent poverty and inequality experienced by so many of our working people and for achieving the principles of decent work in our labor market. The Minimum Wage Act was assented. It was assented to in November 2018, setting a historic precedent in the protection of the low-earning vulnerable workers in South Africa and provided a platform for reducing inequality and the huge disparities in income in the labor market. The 6.9% adjustment of the national minimum wage increased rates from 21.69 cents to 23.19 cents per hour, effective from March the 1st, 2022, applicable to all sectors, including farming and domestic workers. This increase will benefit about 892,000 domestic workers who are overwhelmingly women and 800,000 farm workers. Contrary to the opposition's belief that the introduction of the minimum wage would have a negative impact on employment levels, the research indicate or the research findings indicate that there is no major negative impact on the employment as a result of the national minimum wage. The department's public employment services branch, which drives the implementation of the labor market policies, including the provision of the free career counseling, job placing, retraining and upskilling, strives to create an enabling environment for employment. At an operational level, the Department of Employment and Labor continues to provide support to many desperate work seekers. For the period April 2021 to the 28th, February 2022, 839,000 work seekers were enrolled by the Department on its Employment Services of South Africa, the ESA system. 257,000 work seekers were provided with employment counseling services by the department's employment counselors. 
124,000 job opportunities were conversed with the employers. 59,000 unemployed work seekers were placed in the employment opportunities. It is important that this service is utilized across the economy and across, across the public sector. So the department also actively participates in the digital pathway network management system, which as of the, at January 22 offered 674,000 job opportunities over the two phases of the presidential youth employment stimulus, 596,000 appointments of school assistance have been made making this the single largest youth employment program in the country, supporting the aims of the presidential youth employment intervention. The department will also extend training projects aimed at creating jobs, particularly for the youth in the fiber optics, food handling, and mixed, mixed farming sectors. So the projects are undertaken through the UIF lab program. We will also establish 10 specialized youth centers over the coming two years, in addition to our 126 labor centers. Part-time centers, mobile centers, and departmental buses expand the physical reach of employment services to more remote areas. During the 2021-22, a, a total of 991 workers with disabilities and 48 administrative staff were subsidized. A total of 20.9 million rand was paid to these workers as at the end of the quarter four of 2022 to support this employment program. The Commission for the Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration, the CCMA, Section 189A processes for the period 1st April 2021 to 31st December 2021, resulted in 44% of jobs being saved. That's 14,000 jobs of those employees threatened with the retrenchment. The Employment Equity Amendment Bill has now been passed by Parliament and is intended to expedite the pace of transformation in the labour market and ensure that those non-compliant organisations that resist transformation do not continue to financially benefit from the state contracts or doing business with any organ of the state. Parliament has also finalized compensation for the occupational industries and the diseases, that's quite the amendment bill. The other pieces of legislation for legislature's consideration include the occupational health and safety amendment bill, that is the OHS amendment bill, and the employment services amendment bill. The draft national labor migration uh, policy has been released for comment. In addition, the department is conducting a national roadshow to engage stakeholders in the workshops. The policy seeks to balance the constitutional rights of all, um, of all to labor protection, the expectation of South Africans to access work, our international obligations and treaties, and the needs of the economy for scarce skills. So the department has also led the process of developing the South African National Employment Policy in collaboration with the International Labour Organization and leading uh, local experts. Following a rigorous situational analysis, the first wrap of the policy has been completed for consultation with the social partners. Finally, 
Let me thank the Deputy Minister, the staff of the department, and the commissioners and the executives of the entities, led by the DG, for their commitment and hard work in achieving targets and continuing to provide services in the difficult conditions. Honorable Deputy Speaker, I hereby table the budget of the Department of Employment and Labor for 2022-23 financial year, an amount just short of 6 billion rand. I thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Minister. Uh, uh, let's invite uh, Honorable Nonzele uh, from the African National Congress to speak. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Speaker. May I request that I close my video because of uh, network challenges? It's okay, that. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Honorable Deputy Speaker, Honorable Minister, Deputy Minister, Chairperson of the Employment and Labor Portfolio Committee, Ministers and Deputy Ministers, Honorable Members and fellow compatriots, good afternoon. This presentation is dedicated to the memory of the late Palestinian journalist Shirin Abu Akli, an Al Jazeera journalist killed by the apartheid Zionist Israel regime in cold blood in Jenny whilst on duty. Uh, this includes also our own compatriots who continue to be victims of uh, gender-based violence and femicide. Uh, the names of Hilary Gadi and the name of uh, Namsha Mtwa are included. May their souls rest in peace. House Chairperson, the ANC supports budget vote 31. The period leading to this important day is characterized by a number of important events that have in many ways shaped our thoughts towards the realization of the goals we hereby affirm and pronounce on as part of our firm support for budget vote 31. These include, but not limited to, the State of the Nation Address, the Budget Policy Statement, and the Employment and Labor Portfolio Committee Report. We also draw inspiration from the seminal documents of our revolutionary movement, the African National Congress and the South African Constitution, the principal guide to matters of governance, economic dispensation, and our daily lives. It is now just days, uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker, since we have successfully hosted, hosted the fifth global conference on the elimination of child, of child labor, co-hosted by our government, that's been ably led by our government through Employment and Labor Department, as a lead department, and the, the ILO. We dare say the, the validity of our arguments with regard to how labor market legislation must be shaped remains and an inspiration to the global community. It is in this backdrop that it must be evaluated than the neoliberal school of thought espoused by the opposition parties. Their continued absence in this important platform signifies indifference not only to rights guaranteed by our constitution, rather to their ability to share and test their views on the global state. The, the Honorable, the Ex His Excellency President Matamela Ramaphosa during the State of the Nation Address noted and affirmed the commitment of the ANC-led government to respond to the unemployment crisis 
that has engulfed our country when he said, I quote, there is, an, there is agreement amongst a broad and diverse range of South Africans that fundamental reforms are needed to revive the economic growth, close quote. The key challenges around unemployment, poverty, and inequality provides fertile ground for all manner of challenges, including unabated child labor. Today, as a country, we have seen unemployment rate increase by a record of 35.3% in the quarter four of 2021. This being an increase from a previous high of 349 in quarter three, that is of the same year. It is also important to note that in the same period, there has been a market increase in employment of about 540,000. This being in response to the seasonal increase in the demand for labor. Honorable Deputy Speaker, an increase in labor force is a positive development in the labor market. Similarly, it is also important to note that during the same period, we have seen the drastic decline of the numbers of those discouraged work seekers by almost 56,000. This therefore saw, saw the decline marginally of the expanded unemployment rate by 0.4% to 46.2%. We also need to take into account that we have to respond and contend with the adverse conditions imposed by the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic and the necessary hard lockdown at the time, which was necessary. This being the consequence wherein we have lost about 2 million jobs. As a result, one of the important tasks that the democratic state has undertaken has been to table the economic reconstruction and recovery plan during the previous year as a direct response to this mammoth challenge. It is in this context that the assertions made by His Excellency the President during the State of the Nation address when calling for a new consensus. This should be a consensus uh, which embraces our shared responsibility to one another and acknowledges that we are all in, we are all in this together." Close quote. The medium-term expenditure framework budget projection indicates an increase in government spending at an average of 3.2% from 2.8 trillion rand in 2021 to 2022 to 2.28 trillion in, 2020, in 2024 to 2025 financial years. Most non-interest is spending is directed to the social wage, which includes health, education, housing, social protection, employment programs, and local amenities. This provides the necessary stimulus to create more jobs and by extension limit the negative impact of the current economic conditions. Linked to this is the amount of 18.4 billion allocated to support youth employment and the creation of short-term jobs. As the Portfolio Committee, Deputy Speaker of Employment and Labor, we have received the strategic plan of the department that is for 2020 to 2025, the annual performance plan for 2022-2023 financially, and the budget review of the department and its entities. It is based on the presentation made to the Employment and Labor Portfolio Committee on the 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th of March 2022, that the committee makes the following observations and recommendations. That the Department of Employment and Labor budget has increased from 3.8 billion in 2021 to 3.95 billion in 2022-23 financial year. It is also worth noting the decline of budget for public employment services that has decreased and also 
it is also in terms in terms of economic classification that is in real terms the budget of co- of the cost of employees decreased from 1.43 billion to on 2021 to 2022 to 1.430 uh, that billion on 2023 to 2024 the budget for compensation of employees constitutes 36% of the total budget for the department, whilst the goods and services budget constitutes 80, 18% of the total budget. The committee notes with disappointment that some entities of the department, such as supported employee employment enterprise, continue to struggle to be financially stable. The entity which is home to South Africans living with disabilities need support from government departments to at least spend uh, 10% of their budget spent so to support these entities to survive. Today, as a country, we have, see, we have been confronted by prolonged strikes, which in some sectors are a product of the ravages, occasioned by the triple character of the South African struggle of race, class, and gender. This in particularly so in the mining sector, where through migration, migrant labor system, our people have been made to, to sweat for peanuts, while bosses live large on profits made through their blood and sweat. The absurd payment of 300 million to the CEO, that is by Stillwater, Sibani, uh, a uh, mine, and yet the same company is refusing to settle the strike for a demand of 1,000 increase uh, per month per worker. It's a situation that cannot be left unchallenged. This situation is made more acute by the budget cuts than the critical instrument at the hands of our social partners, that is the CCMA, is being paralyzed by budget cuts. The CCMA is an instrument available to the social partner that is capable of working beyond the point of call in resolving labor dispute must be allocated sufficient resources. The reprioritization from, the, from those cost centers that are deemed incapable to spend must ensure that the critical institutions such as CCMA are placed on a sound financial footing. The benefits derived from this are immeasurable in terms of labor peace, uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker. As the Portfolio Committee, we have just recently concluded an oversight visit to labor centers in the Eastern Cape. We have acquitted ourselves uh, we have acquainted ourselves with the real challenges that those are facing. And this includes being able to establish facts from fiction with regard to the operations of the UIF. As, as we will be tabling that report soon, we don't want to preempt it by going over the edge with regard to the challenges faced by the UIF until we have presented the report to this house. Our recommendation will, in our view, not just temper with the current challenges faced by the UIF, rather will hopefully provide a lasting solution. We remain indebted to this entity in terms of its meaningful interventions made during the hate of the COVID-19 pandemic. The role and support role remains immeasurable in insulating most vulnerable sectors from the ravages of the pandemic. Honorable Minister, as the Portfolio Committee, will continue to conduct our vigorous oversight on the compensation file. Because at the end of the day, those poor audit outcomes of that particular entity must become a thing of the past. The team that is there at Compensation Fund now, which is working on their financial books, when it completes its work, perhaps before it even finishes, good results must reflect in front of our eyes. 
All entities must manage finances effectively and efficiently and must be able to account for each and every cent. Honorable Deputy Speaker, ANC supports vote 31. Thank you, I conclude. Thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, let's invite Honorable Kadu of the DA. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker, unemployment should be South Africa's top policy priority. Instead, the ANC is focused on erecting flags and building graveyards for its struggle heroes. The more squalid its current rule becomes, the more the ANC tries to make something sacred of its past. But symbols don't create jobs. Living in the past doesn't create jobs. Flags and graves won't stop President Ramaphosa from being hounded out of Mayday rallies by his own alliance partners. The fact is that unemployment in this country is a plague, a rapidly growing pandemic. But rather than administering the right medicine, the ANC behaves like a medieval quack. The government fuels the contagion. The numbers are well known. There are almost 12 million South Africans without a job. We have the highest unemployment rate in the world, 46.2% if you include people who have given up looking for work and almost 70% among the youth. The government incubates the virus. In ANC-run provinces and municipalities, service delivery has been gutted. The environment is rotten and putrid and does not conduce to job creation. No water, no lights, and sometimes no possible roads. All of this deters investment, strangles growth, and kills jobs. It frightens away businesses or forces them to close down and starves communities of jobs. The collapse of the state has been caused by the ANC's criminality, corruption, and incompetence. State failure breeds poverty and joblessness. It spawns crime and allows social ills to fester. The main reason South Africans don't have jobs is because the ANC has failed to make this country a viable place in which to operate a business and employ people. Nationally, the government's policy choices have been a disaster, from the crony enrichment scheme of black economic empowerment, through repeated threats to property rights, to the way money is poured into state-owned sinkholes like South African Airways. And now we have the Employment Equity Amendment Bill on the President's desk, a job-destroying jackhammer which allows the Minister of Employment and Labour to set racial targets for national economic sectors. It is another nail in the coffin of private enterprise. The private sector in South Africa is shackled by the state, stifled by a plethora of policies, laws and regulations that choke job creation and drive up unemployment. Irrationally, our labor legislation provides for the automatic extension of collective bargaining agreements to small businesses. This could be undone at the stroke of a pen and it would free up small enterprises and incentivize them to create jobs. Yet the Minister of Employment and Labor is not interested. Through its acts, 
actions and inaction, the ANC has made South Africa an increasingly uninvestable destination. The party is simply not fit to run a modern industrial economy. Meanwhile, the Department of Employment and Labor is not working. Over the past six months, the Unemployment Insurance Fund has been paying out more in claims than it has been receiving in contributions. The UIF is becoming financially unsustainable, and those who are lucky enough to be paid out often have to wait long, grueling periods before payday. For years, the Compensation Fund has been a financial and administrative quagmire. It still is. Yet the minister comes here today and tries to downplay the disaster. He is trying to pull the wool over our eyes. And now he wants to sever the only link in the chain that works. He wants to cut out third-party administrators, blaming them for everything under the sun while he covers up the fund's incompetence. This move will backfire. Productivity SA has not produced the goods in making South Africa more productive. Our productivity growth and overall competitiveness consistently languish at the bottom of international rankings. As for NEDLAC, nearly half its budget is spent on salaries. But what has this talk shop actually achieved for the unemployed? NEDLAC is a cozy tea party for big business and organized labor. The jobless don't feature on its radar. We hear endlessly about social compacts and accords, but the unemployed are accorded nothing. Their interests have been crumpled and compacted into smithereens, vanishing into thin air, unseen, unheard, uncared for. Just about the only departmental entity that provides bang for its buck is the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration. But its revenues have been macheted, just as workers are being retrenched hand over fist. The Department of Employment and Labor's budget amounts to almost 4 billion rand, but it does nothing to oil the wheels of job creation in the private sector. In 2022-2023, the Department's Programme 4, Labor Policy and Industrial Relations, will be allocated 1.3 billion rand, or one-third of the budget. We should be channeling those funds into an overhaul of labor market policy to stimulate employment creation instead of blaming foreign nationals for the dearth of jobs. Only the private sector can create jobs at scale and rapidly absorb predominantly low-skilled workers into the economy. This means we need to unleash the private sector. We must scrap the extension of collective bargaining council agreements to those who didn't sign them in the first place. We must make it easier for firms to hire workers and to tackle youth unemployment with a real youth wage subsidy. We must empower individual economic sectors to set their own minimum wages and offer tax exemptions to small businesses to help them absorb the cost of minimum wages. If the ruling party is serious about the private sector creating jobs, as President Ramaphosa assured us in his State of the Nation address, then it will wholeheartedly endorse these measures that the DA has outlined today. The time to act is now, before the plague of unemployment demolishes the foundations of our social order. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Uh, thank you, Honorable Member. Let's invite Honorable Mkonto of the EFF. Deputy Speaker, 
Thanks very much for the opportunity. The Economic Freedom Fighters rejects the proposed budget for the Department of Employment and Labor, and we also reject the committee's report. Deputy Speaker, we can all agree that perhaps it is time we change the name of this department from Employment and Labor to Unemployment and Labor, because this is what the department and the incompetent cabinet of Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa has become. There are more than 11 million people who are willing, capable, and ready to work. Some are even tired of looking and have given up. According to official definition, the unemployment rate is 35.3%, the highest since Statistics South Africa began conducting quarterly labor force surveys. Even when we have reached crisis levels, Minister Tulas Mercy, his department, and the entities are continuing to operate as if it is business as usual. Instead of being at the forefront advocating for nationalization of strategic se sectors of the economy, building state and government capacity, delivery of free education, health, houses and sanitation, and massive protected industrial development to create millions of sustainable jobs. It is not clear what the minister is saying. It's not clear what his department is doing to create jobs all we are told is that the department's five-year target is to monitor and report on the target of creating 275,000 jobs per year when the number of unemployed people is more than 11 million in this country. We know that the noise about the labor migration is driven by the hate of our African brothers and sisters. There are no people from Malawi, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Lesotho, and other African countries who are taking jobs from South Africans. These people do not employ themselves. They get employed and exploited because this department is failing to employ enough labor inspectors. It is not practical for just under 2,000 labor inspectors to travel all nine provinces and visit all employers. We must employ additional labor inspectors. We must start with filling the 166 vacancies within three months. We must never allow a position of labor inspectors to be vacant for more than a month when they are unemployed and qualified labor inspectors. But the reality is that the economy is failing to create jobs. There is no migration labor policy that is going to resolve the crisis of unemployment in this country. To focus on regulation of employment and foreign nationals is backward. We know that this is a targeting our African brothers and sisters. The obsession with the World Competitiveness Index for an economy that exports raw material and imports finished goods is misguided. Unless we begin to beneficiate mineral resources and manufacture finished goods, any form of competitiveness is misguided. Productivity SA must begin to focus on supporting local industries to demonstrate the benefit of competitiveness that creates jobs instead of low taxes for big companies. The majority of CCMA offices are in major towns and big cities, but workers are exploited and unfairly dismissed everywhere, mostly on farms and in rural areas. The CCMA must bring back the model of part-time commissioners and use rigorous appointment processes to ensure that Appointed part-time commissioners do not collude with employers. The compensation fund continues to fail despite multiple turnaround strategies. Money is stolen, payments are made without a paper trail, 
and no one is held accountable, especially the commissioner. He feels and is allowed to implement countless meaningless turnaround strategies. If the compensation fund was working properly, medical service providers will not rely on administrators and pre-funders. The solution to the compensation fund's challenges is to place the fund under administration and clean it up from scratch. Deputy Speaker, believe you me, the minister will never in any of his speech put compensation fund and audit outcomes in one sentence. The UIF has completely collapsed. Basic systems are not working. Public servants and companies that receive money fraudulently are not arrested. UIF monies are invested in suspicious companies and money is lost without any accountability. We want to commend the EFF labor desk for the good work they are doing. If it is were not for the EFF labor desk, we know that some employers were just going to continue to exploit workers. We want to tell the workers that EFF offices are always open. The EFF rejects this proposed budget vote, Deputy Speaker. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, let's invite uh, Honorable Nobo of the Amanda. IFT. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker. Uh, the, the grim reality of the national uh, unemployment rate of 35.3% and that over 7.6 million South Africans are looking for work should be the driving force prompting government to take urgent action to create job opportunities. We can no longer sit and listen to presentations from the Department on means and measures to stimulate employment opportunities and investments, while we see very little of it in practice. Our people are starving of hunger and have been abandoned by the government that continues to fail to deliver on its constitutional mandate. We therefore need to scrutinize the department's performance and actively question whether it is fulfilling its mandate. The department recently published a draft national labor migration policy and employment services amendment bill, amending the employment of the foreign nationals for public comment. It becomes apparently clear on consideration of the labor migration policy, which is described as the policy framework that will guide labor migration impact on South Africa. How little effort has been made since the dawn of the democracy to address the reality of labor migration. It is only now that the government has decided to actively investigate this aspect and to ensure a coordinated government response to inform policy and prospective legislation. The reality is that there is a strong growing sentiment that foreign nationals are being employed over and above South Africans in jobs that do not demand critical or scarce skills. The IFP has heard the cries of our young people. We have listened to our youth who, despite a metric, cannot find any work and do not have access to decent work. The IFP in the past two years has taken the lead and prepared a private member's bill 
proposing to amend the Employment Services Act to regulate the recruitment for foreign nationals in certain economic sectors and to strengthen and to strengthen this the current regulatory framework regarding the recruitment of such nationals. The IFP, however, strongly opposes xenophobia, and we do not propose, as the government does, the introduction of quotas, which we believe is not only constitutional but also dangerous, as it might ignite further xenophobia. We believe in the introduction of flexible, informed numerical targets, which must be adhered to by employers in the certain sectors to ensure that South Africans are prioritized. Above all, it is critical that proper consultation is done with all relevant stakeholders to ensure that the introduction of such numerical targets is rationally justified and backed by evidence. On further consideration of the department's latest annual performance plan and, and budget, the FA strongly endorses the portfolio committee's recommendation that plans to review the organizational structure of the unemployment insurance fund must urgently be attended to in order to improve its efficiency. The backlog at the fund and the slow progress in accessing claims has been shocking. And the fund has been plagued by irregular wasteful expenditure, as uh, pointed out, out by the Auditor General. The IFP will carefully monitor progress reports on the organizational structuring of the fund, which serves a critical purpose. The IFP accepts the budget vote. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Nobo. Akbari Vessels, this is a date now. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Speaker. The Minister tries to sketch a very pretty picture of achievements, plans and programs that will enhance the lives of workers in South Africa. But what is a worker without work? The mandate of this department is not only the protection of employees, but also stimulating job creation. The minister can say whatever he wants, but the proof lies in the facts, the statistics, like the official unemployment rate. This is the only testimonial that can be taken seriously, and this clearly shows that this department and government is failing. The department should maintain a healthy balance between ensuring that employees' rights are protected and that they are not exploited, and on the other hand, playing a pivotal role to ensure a conducive environment for the private sector to create much-needed job opportunities. This cannot be done whilst in particular this department's attitude towards private business is hostile. The unemployment crisis will not be addressed whilst there is this hostility and whilst government makes it increasingly more difficult to do business, invest and expand. How ironic though that this department, government as a whole, and in particular the ruling party, 
creates the impression that they are good, proud socialists who always act in the interest of the working class and the worker, protecting them against the evil, awful capitalist businesses, whilst they are the ones who fail workers the most. When the ANC fails to pay their employees, where's the department and its labor inspectors? When ANC-run municipalities fail to pay third-party payments as deducted from employees' salaries, where is this department? Currently, 62 employees of the Mafube local municipality are entitled to retire, but they can't, as their pension deductions were never paid over to the pension fund. This municipality owes the pension fund 173 million rand. Where are you, Minister? Why so silent on the statutory transgressions of ANC-run municipalities and departments? But when there is just a rumour of an allegation of a transgression of labour legislation by big business or by a farmer, the department is all of a sudden vocal. Why these double standards? Why this inconsistent behaviour? Workers wait for years and years on end to be paid the UIF, or Compensation Fund Benefits, because of the incompetency of this department and its entities. Is this because of the big bad employers or the failures of this so-called caring government? It is very clear that the minister is not himself dependent on these entities, because if he was, he would know that the statistics he is fed is wrong. Or he would know that he's talking nonsense when he says 87% of compensation fund uh, claims have been paid within 40 days. That is untrue. UIF funds are stolen and defrauded by fraudulent PIC investments. Where's the accountability? There's none. And when the department or an entity like the compensation fund is indeed held accountable, then there's, the department does everything to avoid such accountability. Part of the problem is the ANC members of this Labour Portfolio Committee. Because you see, Honourable Deputy Speaker, it seems these members have mistaken their oversight role with that of a PR role on behalf of this department. Government, Honourable Deputy Speaker, cannot create jobs. All the factors mentioned by the Minister are contributing, but it's because of the ANC government and its policies. South Africans, deserve jobs, development and wealth creation. South Africans deserve better than the ANC. I thank you. Um, thank you, Honourable Member. Let's invite the Deputy Minister of Employment and Labour. Thank you, Honourable Deputy Speaker. Thank you. I... Honorable Deputy Speaker and members of this August House, uh, our Minister of Employment and Labor, and Dade Tulas Nwesi, the acting chairperson uh, of the Portfolio Committee and members of the Portfolio Committee of Employment and Labor, ministers and deputy ministers who are part of this uh, debate today. Uh, Director General of the Department, Senior Managers, 
uh, of the Department of Employment and Labor and our entities, uh, invited guests, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I greet you all. Honorable Deputy Speaker, I bring greetings from the uh, fifth global uh, conference on the elimination of child labor that took place in Devon on the 15th to the 20th of May 2022. Uh, a successful conference we were proud to host as the Department of Employment and Labor, supported by the national departments uh, with assistance from the ILO officials, uh, gave us a clear message that South Africa must take the lead in the total uh, uh, realization of elim the elimination of child labor by 2025. Deputy Speaker and Honorable Members, allow me to reference uh, 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 this input uh, from the input of the minister to put a few points uh, into perspective. Uh, I think we must also say, indicate the fact that uh, uh, populism, Honorable Deputy Speaker, is redefining the politics, but we all know that when uh, the cameras switch off, uh, the real politics sets in. So we will lose nothing if we always humble ourselves. So first and foremost, I must indicate that this budget vote is a product of a thoroughly consulted process guided by the National Treasury and aims to respond to the SONA uh, commitments and the NDP vision 2030. This budget vote is tabled against the highly cost-contained restrictions due to the very low revenue base from our battling economy. And secondly, Honorable Deputy Speaker, Honorable Members, it, this budget vote is also a direct response to the performance agreement signed with His Excellency Honorable President Cyril Matamela Ramaphosa. And thirdly, I must indicate that this budget vote demonstrates advances that we are taking in ensuring that uh, uh, what Honorable Nonzele spoke about, uh, which relates to the instructions that are given to us by the Constitution. And of course, this is a collaborative effort. Hence, the minister spoke about the pathway network management system. So this is a, a, a collaborative effort. So I, note, I noted uh, earlier on, um, uh, uh, Deputy Speaker, that uh, the views of honor, some honorable members especially those who oppose the tabling and adoption of this budget. We note uh, their dissent uh, to this budget vote, honorable members. Uh, opposing this budget vote uh, is the same as opposing service delivery and also demonstrates a disregard for those who cannot afford to feed their families but rely on the state interventions and policy statements such as this budget vote. And it is through the budget votes that it is possible for us to be on this virtual platform which is not free. Uh, this same uh, budget vote, Honorable Deputy Speaker, uh, make it possible for members to hold the executive to account. And it is the same budget vote uh, that make it possible for the department to comply with parliamentary prescripts and eases the burden of poverty from our people and deliver services to the added doorsteps of communities and strengthen oversight. I must also say, uh, 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 Honorable Deputy Speaker, so opposing this budget means a big no to all these important functions of our parliamentary work. So I think in the future, Honorable Members, it must be clear that members who do not support the budget votes should not benefit from what they didn't support. I must say, Honorable Deputy Speaker, that, that the district development model 
and the outreach programs have resulted into a lot of impactful interventions for our people. The 126 labor centers, which remain our infrastructure for collaborations at the doorsteps of communities, have remodeled the DDM towards perfection. When the time is right, with starter consultations, we will start the process to pursue the 24-hour shift operations, uh, operation functions uh, in the labor centers, and this will include rendering services on Saturdays. This will be carefully consulted. This, I, I repeat, honorable members, will be carefully consulted upon, and when the time is right, we'll roll out the 24-hour services at our labor centers. Honorable Deputy Speaker, it is, I also think that when the time is right, we need to showcase and demonstrate our achievements and say nothing at all and leave those who speak but do nothing for our people to continue talking. We will parade our achievements, the payments of claims, registration of work seekers, and the jobs that we have recreated through this intervention for everyone to start appreciating our one plan approach and the collaborative efforts with other departments, the district and the local municipalities in the delivery of services. This will give a clear distinction between those who are grandstanding for votes and those who seek proximity to our people by doing nothing at all from those who do their hard work but never seek attention for such. It is common knowledge, uh, Deputy Speaker, that South Africa is a very stubborn unemployment. And it is this structural uh, uh, unemployment that is linked to a system that was well designed to disempower the majority in this country who remained disenfranchised. We need a structural response to this phenomenon, and this can never be an overnight uh, success. Honorable Deputy Speaker, Honorable Members, let me further elaborate on the point made by the Minister earlier on. The UIF, through its labor activation program, has set aside an amount uh, to the tune of 551 million uh, to, for these three projects uh, for 19,921 beneficiaries, 70% of which are, for, are former UIF contributors who lost, lost their job to undergo training in the following skills. Uh, 14,771 beneficiaries as chief food handlers. Remember, uh, your time is expiring almost. Thank you so much, Honorable uh, Chairperson. Uh, as the Department of Employment and Labor, we encourage our members to support this budget vote, but also to note that the Employment Equity Bill is on its way also. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's invite Honorable Zungula. Minister, given the record high unemployment in South Africa, this department should be renamed the Department of Unemployment. You have dismally failed to influence the corporate and public sector to be labor-absorbing. We note the various international treaties that you need to observe, but those treaties are meant to supplement and support our national obligations, not undermine them. The ATM is not getting the impression that you are loyal and faithful to the people of South Africa. At the core of your work, you must place South Africans at the center of your thinking. Minister, the laws of this country compel you to drive the prioritization of South Africans so that they can be active participants in the economy of our country. You can't be misunderstanding the role of international treaties when our country has a 46% unemployment rate and for young people, it is more than 65%. Minister, affirm the dignity of South Africans in the only country where they can be first beneficiaries of job opportunities. The failures of this department to ensure the labor market 
operates within the law only creates tension and conflict with the people. These failures benefit capital who get cheap labor and the exploitation of migrants. Capital pays undocumented migrants slave wages, pays them with food and alcohol, and there are other human rights abuses done by capital on undocumented migrants. The tension and conflict for scarce resources, exploitation and human rights abuses are enabled by this department as it lacks the political will to, to enforce the existing labor laws. There was conflict in Robertson. Only then did the department appear to be doing something. There are many other areas where the conflict is likely to occur, yet the department is not being proactive. Finally, Minister, the ATM is advising you to urgently embark on professionalizing your inspectors to be sector fit and proper. Inspectors that work in the construction sector must know something about civil engineering. Your inspectors should be qualified to inspect if the electrical wiring in factories is up to scratch to avoid the unnecessary burning of factories that results in job losses. If your department was serious about the laws under your leadership, section 53.4 of the Employment Equity Act would have been promulgated so that there are consequences for companies that are not complying with the pertinent provisions of the Employment Equity Act. Minister, if you understood the equitable representation as espoused in the Employment Equity Act, there would be no need for private members' bill to regulate the employment of non-South Africans. The Employment Equity Act, as it currently stands, is more than enough to deal with the challenge of equitable representation of South African workers. I thank you. Uh, Honorable uh, Brad Heron. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker, the CCMA has played a fundamentally important role in the democratic era. It is a vehicle that has given practical expression to the rights of workers who in the apartheid era had no rights and simply had to do what they were told. Its establishment signaled the end of hundreds of years of discriminatory labor, labor practices built on bask-up unfairness and injustice, in which workers were afforded no protection by the law. Among the CCMA's greatest strengths was its accessibility. People who felt hard done by at work could walk in and receive professional assistance and advice on lodging a claim against an employer. It wasn't perfect, but it was important because it brought some balance to the skewed power relations in the workplace. It was a champion of the rights of the underdog, so to speak. That was before COVID and economic crunch times. What's been happening over the past several years is, like post offices, CCMA offices appear to have become an endangered species. Now, instead of workers being able to walk in and receive assistance, most are expected to tackle the process online which assumes that the working class has access to computers, smartphones, and overpriced data, which we know many don't have, and implies a level of technical proficiency, which we also know most of us don't have. The impact of all this is a growing disconnect between the CCMA and the very people it was formed to protect. People like Numfundo Mateza, someone who approached us recently, a domestic worker whose recent attempt to fight her unfair dismissal with at the CCMA in Cape Town was met with closed doors. Instead of receiving practical help, she was turned away and told she needs to fill in forms online in English. 
What sense does it make, Deputy Speaker, in a country that does not boast the highest levels of literacy to expect low-income earners to navigate complex legal and procedural terrain on their own and online? The greatest beneficiaries of workers not having access to procedural assistance are exploitative employers. Once again, in our country, it's a case of why bother about breaking the law if there's little chance that you're going to be caught. If we keep defunding the foundations on which millions of South Africans depend to defend themselves economically, we perpetuate the cycle of poverty and deepen inequality. Deputy Speaker, we must reinvest in, reinvigorate and restore the CCMA urgently. There are thousands of people out there like Nomfundo who depend on its protection. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. Let's invite Honorable A.S. Zuma. Uh, thank you, uh, Deputy Speaker, Ministers and Deputy Ministers, Honorable Members, Chairperson of the Committee, uh, Honorable Dunjoa, Chief Whip wow. Majority, Pemi Majodina. Uh, Deputy Speaker, the African National Congress Support Budget Vote 31. Uh, Deputy Speaker, Ifunukala, Gomsonishwa U Vessels, Wuching before nineteen ninety-four. Mabenzani, le UIF Akulumangayo, Babefagela o Bababe to put as envelope Pino 250 or 250, and Nagbiza Mom on the Babili and his son. Imho, la Babe Bandigaza, Yona, Babe Bandigaza, Amashuma Mashanu, and Gavik. Jangobeti, eh, Uminister Utulas Nessi, Yonkin Taikulumayo, e nonsense. Gitabangutu Umsonisu vessels. Wasayena lenta ikulumayo na yo i nonsense ngoba o baba babo babega tebe o minister kota bebebe no standard six. Whenever I travel around my constituents or F umsinga as a mother and a grandmother, my heart bleeds when I see young people standing around street corners, some of them begging for loose change and others hustling for money for food or possible alcohol and drugs. I see the loss of hope in these children's eyes. I ask myself, what can I do to change the, their lives so that they can celebrate Youth Month with more hope for their future? At 77%, youth unemployment is a national disaster. And I think it should be treated as such by all of us. Like the deadly COVID-19 pandemic, Unemployment is not a matter of politically point scoring. It is an issue that I believe it must be as a national disaster in a similar way we have dealt with COVID-19. COVID-19 I am making this call on behalf of my constituents and all other regions in the country, including the DA-run city of Cape Town, where I have seen thousands of young people colored, African, white, and Indian, every morning sleeping sidewalks in the biting cold and rain of the Western Cape, winter with no hope of ever getting a job in their lifetimes, without 350 social relief of distress grants, which almost 10 million South Africans benefit from the desperation would be far worse. Honorable Cardinal Sonny Sawam, in Cape Town, in Opgebenu, in Zala, 
yunga yitakamizwa njengoba ukhuluma nje kutha e department ayike kwenzayo sibuka i Cape Town ukuthi uphumeya wase Cape Town nikuphi ukuze nilekele lentakule lapha abantu abalale mgwaqeni abangadlili utho asikaze sinibone niyakubona nibabamba nibaqhawula nangezandla nikhombisa ukubathanda kakhulu the department of employment and labor and its entities must play a, a critical role in defining its expanded mandate of job creation in a practical way it must facilitate collaboration efforts among government departments and social partners to create jobs across all the sectors all the entities that report to department of employment and labor are crucially drivers of labor market transformation and job creation in this country in the portfolio committee we are working flat out to ensure that they indeed perform accordingly uma nikhuluma eh kuma debate nenzangathi abantu base South Africa nabathandi kodwa sinibona nikhona niza kuma portfolio committee ukuze lezinto eniyiphakamisayo niyiphakamise phela sibona ukuthi abantu nibakhathalele as a committee we have recommended that support must be mobilized for supported employment enterprises particularly by the government department SOEs and provinces if we agree that youth unemployment is a national disaster we must act in a dynamic manner that improves efficiency and speed of responding to challenges at the same time government must strengthen internal controls to prevent those who could use the situation to embezzle funds we re- we, we reiterate our call to the department to work with national treasury to ensure that ces must receive preferentially procurement status from government departments and the state organs our committee will be meeting with the finance committee in order to take up this discussion with national treasurer in addition the public employment services branch of the department should be restructured and repurposed for job creation including interdepartmental and private sector activities in the light of populist mobilization and targeting foreign nationals in particular we call on the department's inspection and enforcement services to continue its mega blitz inspections targeting the hospitality and agriculture sectors the inspectorates must test compliance on the national minimum wage act occupational health and safety act basic conditions of employment act unemployment insurance act and code this approach must also serve to advise educate and provide technical information and support to both workers and employers about the service offered by, by the inspectorate the department of home affairs and the saps must come part of the inspections to ensure that as many companies as possible are fully inspected for compliance with our national laws employers must be informed so that they prepare the necessary documentation prior to the visits and that their books are in order at the beginning of this term of parliament the conversation fund was struggling but due to the efforts of the minister together with the deputy minister and their team i do want to say without any fear or contradiction that now there is a light at the end of the tunnel uh, deputy speaker the conversation fund mm-hmm. has encountered a number of challenges one of them being in inefficient it systems to address this the fund commissioned a new claims management system called com easy since october 2019 
the funds started to realize uh, the benefits that came with the new system, which include improved controls and efficient processing of claims. This resulted in the reduction of long processes taken to adjudicate claims and further address the issue of backlogs. Presently, the fund is also able to clear the high rate of litigants and receive over years. For the financial year 2021, over 100,000 claims were registered, of which 79% were adjudicated within 30 working days. The ANC supports the recommendations of the Committee of the Compensation Fund. This includes ensuring the speedy review of the entity's organizational structure so as to further improve its efficiency. Uh, Deputy Speaker, we see others crack their skulls and suck their thumbs, trying to think what they should say to rubbish the good work of the ANC government. On our side, we are focused on sharing with fellow South Africans recorded performance of hard work being done. If you go to the compensation fund, they will tell you and furnish you with evidence of the run, uh, the return to work program that ensures that beneficiaries are reskilled through institutions of higher learning to enable them to participate in the economy. They will tell you and provide evidence of beneficiaries and their dependents, including youth and persons with disability who assisted financially to study different trades that include farming, jewelry, etc. Netlake has facilitated ongoing and intensive engagements to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic through the work of its uh, COVID-19 rapid response task team. The social partners have participated the vaccination rollout program, made inputs to ensure that the economy could be open safely, agreed on management on COVID-19 in the workplace and exercise oversight over the provision of relief for workers and the unemployed, uh, unemployed. In respect of economic recovery and reconstruction program, the social partners over the last year have collaborated to advance the implementation of key structural reforms, especially energy stability, improving the movement of, of goods. Netlake is not only relevant in respect to coordinating the response of social partners to key socioeconomic issues, the social partners also make inputs into key policies, legislation, and regulations. NETLEC, in fact, coordinated the response of the social partners to the public violence that broke out in Gauteng and in my home province, KwaZulu Natal, in July 2021. Social partners agreed on a comprehensive package of measures and interventions to provide relief to those affected by the violence. These measures were subsequently taken up by government, babe gupi asimabona ngabeze makai beza ngoba ebefunuzokankasa befuna mavoti bekotisa abantu bakithi abamnyama. Thank you very much, honourable member. Let me invite honourable Sheikh Imam, Melisoma. Kikopa unke over me as I step off the, the chair now to allow you to go take over. Thank you very much. Umkayawaklo, you will be presiding over. Thank you very much. Thank you, Deputy Speaker, and thank you, Chairperson. 
allow me before I start to extend my condolences. Allow me to extend my condolences uh, to the family and friends and the economic freedom fighters on the loss of four of their members, including a councillor who died in an accident in Pumalanga and told early hours of today. Indeed, a great and tragic situation. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, the responsibility of this department is twofold. One is to protect and promote the interest of workers and labor, and very importantly, to coordinate and ensure that job creation is one of their responsibilities and tasks. Now, my understanding is this, that the Department of Labor is not doing this. And let me tell you why. First of all, I raised the concern previously about labor in the country, particularly the Chinese, who without any doubt and the length and breadth of South Africa, pay their workers 60 rand a day. And I see the deputy minister talking about minimum wage, 60 rand a day. Now you tell me how would South African businesses compete with the Chinese counterparts if they pay 60 rand a day while the South African businesses have to pay a minimum wage of 4,000 rand a month. How is that possible? But the question is deeper than that. Why, despite raising this concern again and again, this matter has not been raised? Where are those inspectorates that have a responsibility of visiting these businesses? And they do that all the time. What is it that they're getting back that they go into these businesses and come out from there and do very little or nothing about it. That's the question we need to ask. Why the department will do nothing about it? And what is it the inspectors are doing about it? South Africa has a very high unemployment rate. We cannot deny that. But we have a massive shortage of plumbers, electricians, carpenters, tool makers, welders. What is this department doing to assist to enhance labor and job opportunities in this country? Very little or nothing is being done by this particular department. Let's look at the issue of the UIF, the corruption, the time period that people have to wait to get their benefits, which they have paid for years. More often than not, they don't get it on time. Some people actually die waiting for their benefits from this particular department. Very little or nothing has done to improve this. And I noticed that many departments like the Labor, Home Affairs and many others continuously raise concerns about the IT system, which I'm told is the responsibility of CETA. Don't you think it's time that you realize this is not working, that you need to do something different about it? How much more must the South African labor force who have been paying for so long go through before you decide that you need to pay them? But no, you wouldn't do that. Let me tell you that many, many of the laborers on the ground that are employed do you know what shocking conditions some of them are employed under, particularly in the farms? You have done very little or nothing to go out there and inspect and look at the living conditions of these people on the farms. Why have you not done anything about it? So these are some of the issues that I think you need to raise. 80% of the youth in this country are unemployed, and yet your department does very little 
about ensuring that you put in programs and policies. Let me give you an ideal example. You have state employees that are employed and hold two positions, one as counselors and the other as teachers in a school. But yet you have such a high level of unemployment in this country, but you do absolutely nothing about it. How do you do justice being a counselor, which is like a full-time position at the moment, if you look at what is required by the community, at the same time, you're supposed to do justice at the school. Where is this department to discuss with public uh, 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 service commission to put in policies in place so that more people can be employed rather than one having two jobs and 20 not having a job? Why is the department not looking at this? So these are some of the things I think the department needs to look at. 11 million people in this country are currently unemployed. It's getting worse by the day. We're sitting on a ticking time bomb. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. Uh, I've just been checking on the platform. It seems like Honorable Hendricks is not on the platform, but for completeness, uh, I recognize Honorable Hendricks from Aljama. Yes, I'm correct. We shall proceed, honorable members. I recognize now Honorable Grim of the DA. Over to you, sir. Chairperson, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I stand here to express my absolute disgust. We have an unemployment rate at almost 50%, youth at 80%, and it's growing. The Arab Spring in 2011 was caused by an unemployment rate of 30%. The minister has the goal to expect political parties to approve and endorse a budget which is not working. Every entity within the department has failed, every entity. Even the entity that demonstrates excellence, the CCMA, had its budget cut, destroying its efficacy. One could imagine that we're living through Alison in the locking glass. They said, don't keep him waiting, child. Why, his time is worth a thousand pounds a minute. This is not our current Minister of Employment and Labour, but the guard on that fictional train in Alice. The Minister expects an endorsement for a department that presides over the second worst productivity in the world and almost the highest unemployment in the world. This very department has failed the workforce during COVID-19 and largely refuses to help injured workers through the compensation fund. We're not living in Alice in Wonderland, Believe it or not, it's now South Africa 22. The government wants to blame the unemployment crisis on foreign workers who make up less than 2% of the actual workforce. Meanwhile, almost 12 million unemployed South Africans are willing and able to join the job market. Even the long-time trusted sweetheart trade union movement, Kasatu, has at last found that their members have woken up and realized that the ANC and President Ramaphosa are using them as voting fodder. It is clear that the government is doing nothing for the unemployed. And it is becoming more and more obvious that they're doing nothing for those currently in jobs. The workers of South Africa must by now know that their numbers are dwindling and the current system under an ANC government, those jobs are being threatened. I appeal to the workers of South Africa to have a careful look at your alliance partners and see both the ANC and the Communist Party don't even pay their own workers. To the workers of South Africa, how can you trust the ANC in these circumstances? Your members have spoken out loud and clear this year in the May Day celebrations. In fact, it turns out that the May Day in South Africa in 22 was not a celebration, but a declaration of a dead alliance. 
Every year they applaud what they themselves have done and ask the Africans to spend hard-earned income on broken entities within the Department of Labor. It was Mark Twain who said, get your facts first and then you can distort them as you please. The problem here is that the minister hasn't got the facts and he's even distorting the director's general's fantasy of performance. It's a crying shame to see that the unemployed of South Africa have no voice at all. Government has set up a talk shop, Nedlac, which does not represent the 12 million unemployed hungry people. We have been told time and time again that it is small business that will be the engine room for job creation. The ANC government refuses to deregulate small business and uncouple them from the bargaining councils. Our previous Minister of Finance, Mugwene, called for this uncoupling and he was rudely condemned. It would have cost us nothing and created a million jobs. Kosovo's post-Mayday statement talks of the growing frustration among workers in South Africa. They are pushing for change. The first step is to get rid of the INC government. 22, 2.2 million workers lost their jobs in the last two years. Even this fell on deaf ears in the ANC government. Kosatu calls for a dismantling of the system of power and says, this is Kosatu, if workers sit down and do nothing, it will mean that they accept the death sentence that is being handed to them by the political and business power structures. I call on the workers of South Africa to join hands with the Democratic Alliance and to talk to a political party that they can trust. Our president a decade ago was a director of Longman. We all recall the murder of 34 miners and the wounding of 78 workers. This happened just after our president called the police to act firmly against those dastardly criminal trade unionists. Workers must also remember the three-year wage agreement signed by the ANC government and the ANC administration. After honoring the first two years, this cowardly government hid behind the technical point to try and save them from the embarrassment of an increase which they couldn't afford. This duplicitous behavior became the hallmark of an ANC government. A democratic government in 2024 will negotiate in good faith and will create jobs. A DA government in the Western province can point to feet fair treatment, honest negotiation and job creation. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Member. I now recognize Honorable Volmarans of the ANC while she's uh, moving towards the platform. Honorable members, you are courteously urged, if as much as possible, that the background that you use should reflect parliament or a blank uh, wall because you are deemed to be in parliament and then the decorum of the house must be preserved. Over to you, Honorable Volmarans of the ANC. Uh, thank you, uh, Honorable Chair, um, Honorable Minister Mercy, Honorable Deputy Minister Muloi, uh, Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee, Whip of the Committee, uh, Committee members and Honorable Members on the platform. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. The ANC stands to support the budget vote 31 of the department. Honorable Chair, Amongst its mandates, the Department of Employment and Labor is also tasked with saving existing jobs and creating new jobs through various programs and its entities. Now, Honorable Begram, some employers in South Africa are exploiting the lack of a clearly articulated policy framework in the management of labor migration. 
This generates anger, creates tension and causes conflict in many communities. We are pleased that the department is developing the national labor migration policy. We see this as an intervention to address the inadequacy of the existing policy framework. This policy aims to regulate the labor market and bring about stability to the workplaces and also to the communities where migrant workers are employed. They do business and where they live. In some instances, our communities decide to take it upon themselves and deal with the situation, and unfortunately not in a manner that enhances social cohesion. We are looking forward to the conclusion of the department's public consultation that have been done throughout the country on this policy by the end of this month and further consultations in NETLEC. Honorable Minister, it is important to set aside sufficient time and resources for this purpose and process. The ANC would not want to pay lip service to the consultation process. This process needs genuine consultation and proper communication with all stakeholders, a fit that we think you would be in a position to manage. Honorable Chairperson, the challenges facing the CCMA. The CCMA has been kept very busy as record numbers of workers approached it over labor disputes amid jobs bloodbath. We welcome that the budget of the CCMA increased by 56 million in the 2022-23 financial year. However, we are concerned that the budget is projected to decrease to 1.060 billion in 2023-24. We are also worried that the suspension of the utilization of part-time commissioners due to budget constraint has had an impact on the capacity of the commission to deal with all the referrals. The budget vote 31, in spite of the fiscal constraint, the, SM, the CCMA was able to save 58,165 or 42% of the 138, 816 jobs that would have been lost due to the retrenchment and challenges brought by COVID-19 last year. It had 99.8% of the conciliable cases within 30 days at first event, and 99.95% arbitration awards rendered were sent to parties within 14 days. Now that's a little bit of efficacy, that's capability, that must also be commended. The CCMA recorded its highest number in large-scale retrenchment, or our Section 189A referrals in 2020-2021 financial year, which represents an increase of 54% from the 729 to 1,124. Indeed, we accept there were tremendous difficulties faced by many companies during the various stages of national lockdown. However, there is evidence that some trigger Happy employers tend to see retrenchment of workers as the option of first resort rather than the last. These are people who find refuge in the DA and in the Freedom Front Plus, the proud political descendants of H.F. Verbourg and Eugene Terreblanche. We call on the DA and the Freedom Front Plus to persuade their constituencies that keeping South African jobs is good for social stability and we all benefit as a nation when people have work. Unlike what we have just heard, honorable member, 
Other members, we have heard, you have heard it yourself from Honorable Bessel of the Freedom Front Plus. He says there is a loud noise that comes from the department when there's a transgression from the farmers. In essence, he says, the department is on the side of workers on the farmers, and the department cries the loudest when there's a transgression. I commend him for this observation. However, it is also a true revelation of who he is and what his parties stand for. They are very loud in their silence when these same transgressions are committed by both farmers and big businesses. Our defenseless, and this happens to a lot of our defenseless workers, the majority of which are black. We are happy that the CCMA will continue to enhance its digital offering to ensure increased accessibility and lessen the time and cost of travel of vulnerable users in traveling to CCMA offices. The CCMA will also pursue strategic partnerships with other public entities and state organs to increase advocacy and awareness as part of its social protection programs. This would also help in saving jobs. When it comes to retaining jobs, all spheres of government have to work together with workers, business, and communities to resolve problems of service delivery. We have heard the calls by the organized working class to the government to focus on resolving the challenges facing the local sphere of government. If these are not dealt with, we face the risk of private sector companies leaving certain regions, thus deepening the crisis of unemployment under development, particularly in the more rural provinces. COSATU, the largest federation of workers in our country, has described the deteriorating state of basic services as the biggest threat to the jobs of millions of workers, as the possibility of companies closing their operations and relocating to better service sites grows. Equally concerning are the energy infrastructure logistics and transportation services provided by state-owned enterprises such as ESCOM, Transmet, and Prasa. SOEs should therefore play a key role in saving and creating jobs in mining, manufacturing, and agricultural sectors, amongst others. An efficient metro rail will enable workers to get work safely at an affordable price and on time, and a strong, and a strong transnet will help to move coal efficiently to the coast to meet the demand of our trading partners. All our public and private financial resources must be mobilized to stimulate economic growth and to make our country work. These efforts must include a massive buy-local campaign that includes government SOEs, business workers and consumers, and target key locally produced goods. Pension and investment funds must play their part too in supporting investment in local companies. The National Planning Commission's report titled Digital Futures, South Africa's digital readiness for the fourth industrial revolution has highlighted that there have been institutional failures on the part of, this, of the state when it comes to digital transformation. There is also a shortage of skills and fear that new technologies will lead to the loss of jobs and less skilled workers. These concerns must be addressed through social compacts and just transitions. The truth is that none of us can stop the wheel of technology advancements. If we try to stop modernization, the world will leave us behind and our economy, our economy will be less competitive. The float pay state of employees' well-being barometer 2022 
launched two weeks ago, measured and analyzed the experience of a sample of South Africans' working population. It showed that in South Africa, losses in productivity equated to 128 billion days, which are accounted for 38 billion rand, or around 2% of the GDP. Productivity South Africa must enhance its role of promoting employment growth and productivity and contribution to South Africa's socioeconomic development and competitiveness. It is sad to note that our country was ranked number 62 out of 63 countries in terms of World Competitiveness Index. Productivity South Africa will help to drive the national productivity strategy. As a country, we need to promote a culture of productivity in the workplace, maintain a database of productivity and competitiveness systems, and publicize such and undertake productivity-related research. The UIF had challenges and also some allegations. However, uh, Honorable Mkondo, it is not all doom and gloom, as the EFF would like us to believe. The UIF achieved some unprecedented feats in our fight to save lives and livelihoods during the worst outbreaks of the COVID-19 pandemic. We must praise the ingenuity of the UIF of finding innovative ways to support millions of workers and hundreds of thousands of companies in distress. However, we condemn those who abuse this period to line the pockets with public fines. We congratulate the Hawks and other law enforcement agencies for apprehending many suspects and recovering and returning to the state millions of stolen public funds. The UIFs follow the money process, which entails auditing all COVID-19 payments, has added to the capacity of government and must be replicated in other entities that award grants and loans to companies. We call on the department to get to the bottom of the scandalous reports of UIF monies that have been lost owing to questionable investments involving the PIC in a number of companies. Our interaction, the committee with the department, shows signs of this budget going a long way in executing the mandate and mitigating the challenges in the department. For this reason, the ANC supports this budget. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. Honorable Members, now I recognize the minister, Honorable Minister of uh, Employment and Labor. Over to you, Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Am I audible? Loud and clear. Thank you. I hope, uh, Chairperson, you will add my four minutes I spent at the beginning. One second, it's, it's actually five minutes. Thank I you. tried to communicate with you. Thank okay. you. So I have 10 minutes. Thank That's you. That's correct. Um, Chairperson, let me thank uh, the honorable members for their contribution and also thank others or some with their empty rhetoric. At least they've said something. Uh, Chairperson, <coughs> Honorable Cardo, I must respond to this. The unemployment challenge of our beloved country is linked to centuries of deprivation of the indigenous people. The reason why this unemployment challenge is deep-seated, systemic and structural, it is because it was designed to be so by the erstwhile 
brutal, vicious, cruel, white minority government. And Honorable Ricardo, this unemployment, which was created by that white racist government, ensured that those whose color is black should never get skills. They must never get trained. And they must never be developed. They must never be empowered. The black majority in this country were a deprived quality education. This is the reason, Honorable Cardo, we have this unemployment rate which keeps on rising. And the politics of the DA, which banned the words like equality and transformation, does not assist the country to move away from what that white racist government created. And there was a stage, Honorable Cardo, that as a country we were second in Brazil in terms of inequality, but now we are leading in that particular respect. Let me also say this. Let me also say this. The president, or the government through the president, has presented an economic reconstruction and recovery plan with a number of pillars energy security, industrialization and localization, employment stimulus, infrastructure, development, macroeconomic interventions, the green economy, agriculture and land reform, tourism and so on, instead of critiquing the plan and strengthening it by showing the gaps and weaknesses and monitor that it's being implemented. You come with all these empty, uh, empty accusations. Jobs will come from this particular plan. I think you need to understand that very well. By a collaboration of the different departments, different spheres of government, and also the private sector. I think you need to understand that. Let me also say this. On the issue which has been raised by... Um, Honorable Comrade Nonsel, just about Sibani, where there's a big strike as we speak, and give some perspective that this is the time of the year when typically across many sectors, wage negotiations, um, they take place, and some of them lead to strikes. But one positive thing that South Africa has a robust collective bargaining, which in the majority of the cases heads to settlement of the dispute. The issue here is extraordinary length of the strike and intransigence of the parties. They need to agree on a process of facilitation to find reasonable uh, common ground. This is a process issue which can be addressed. And when we have to intervene as government and department in particular, we will do so. Clearly, this needs to be addressed before the situation degenerates further. It does not seem to be just about money. If Sibanya can afford, and you are right, Honorable Lancet, if Sibanya can afford to pay the CEO 300 million at a time like this, what is difficult to pay the workers a thousand rand, which does not collectively come to that 300 million? These are the inequalities and the wage gap we've been talking about. I, I'm just listening. What a contradiction from calling for the workers from honorable background to, 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 to work with the DA when they fundamentally are anti-trade unionism. 
even what they were saying here today, they are anti-trade unionism. So there are deeper issues involved. We have the historical legacy of the massive inequality, which still makes us as one of the most unequal countries in the world. There are few places in the world where the wage gap between the CEO and the worker is so is as vast as South Africa. This is part of the apartheid legacy and clearly continues to haunt us. The products of apartheid today, product of apartheid privilege, like uh, Honorable Vessels and Honorable Cardo, are trying by all means to defend the apartheid inherited privileges. Techies, in any case, cannot vote uh, for Christmas. On the issue of deregulation, responsible employers realize that regulating the labor market is beneficial to all consent in terms of health and safety, basic labor rights, decent working conditions and wages, and the provision of the social protection through the UIF and all those. So responsible employers relations to stabilize the labor market. The, 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 the net-led processes have produced results in this particular country. The legislation which we're having has been produced by those uh, net-led processes. I don't understand uh, the people who all of a sudden now are saying we don't need the net-led. So the DA does not agree. Seemingly, it longs for the past conditions, the slave labor, the starvation wages, and workers stripped of their basic labor rights. That is not going to happen, certainly not under the ANC government. I don't want even to say anything about uh, what the honorable member from the EFF was saying, because they continue to flip from, from this position to the other. They went to inspect for the foreign workers, and when they came back, they changed their positions. I don't even want to say because there's nothing that ever uh, supported. Thank you very much. And thank you very much, Honorable members. We are fighting. Honorable members, Honorable members, that concludes the debate and the business of the visual mini plenary. The mini plenary now shall rise. Thank you very much, Honorable members. Thanks, Chair. Thank you,